I, I guess we'll get to matches in chronological order, but shortly after defeat to Athletic Bilbao in Europe, it's it's been a mixed week, hasn't it? Especially after that fine win at Tottenham at the weekend. I've had a brilliant week myself, and I'm not going to let United ruin it, even though they're trying really hard. And I think specifically Fergie is trying really hard to ruin it by not caring about the Europa League, which, which in fairness is a perfectly reasonable position to take. Let's talk Spurs and we can get on to have a rant about Bilbao in a bit. But but Spurs, it, it, you see, in, in many ways, they are, they are connected because they're, they're quite similar games and performances, I thought, from United. At Spurs, for long periods, their home side was on top. More possession, way more shots on goal than United, more territory than United. And somehow, the Reds contrived to win the game. And, and in the end, an absolutely fantastic three points that, that you know, all cliches aside, could win win United the title that's how important that game was you said comfortable you said 3-1 you were absolutely right except for the bit where you said comfortable yeah well that was that was a bit of bluster wasn't it so it definitely wasn't a comfortable 3-1 win if I mean that sounds ridiculous doesn't it but I mean if, if you took exactly the same stats and just turned the scores around it would be hard to argue with it yeah that's absolutely the case brilliant incisive and clinical finishing the real difference in that game United's finishing was really really excellent and Ashley Young made a huge contribution despite not necessarily playing brilliantly for the 90 minutes he didn't have a very good game I thought yeah but two absolutely outstanding finishes one on the volley and then a curler into the top corner and, and he's got the talent to do it but it was a bit frustrating he felt very rusty and, and not quite with it for a long period of that game Young and in fact the whole side did I mean um, you, you talked about clinical finishing Spurs were terrible their finishing was terrible if they had a 25 goal a season striker of someone of that kind of quality they'd have beaten United at Cosmic Dave 2011 asks was Young the worst performance ever to result in two goals and an assist I can't I can't necessarily <laughs> think of one myself I mean it just goes to show you know um, lies damn lies and statistics and all of that and we're, we're all obsessed obsessed with football data these days aren't we and uh, it's, just, it's just, just a week after the football analytics conference the MIT Sloan conference and loads of stuff coming out of that about uh, improvement in analytics and, and the only ones that actually matter are goals and Ashley Young delivered that to himself and and uh, put one on for a, for a teammate but aside from that he wasn't great and we, we can kind of understand that he's a long time on the sidelines and actually when we come on to the Bilbao game I'll put forward an argument to suggest that actually he had a pretty good game against Bilbao well you put forward that <laughs> argument <laughs> the Spurs game that the, the third goal was a right old spectacular one wasn't it an absolute peach from Young beauty yeah real beauty and uh, he did that earlier in the season very similar goal against Arsenal as well and he, he's got that kind of talent uh, especially coming in from the left and he seems more comfortable on the left even though he's right footed and part of the reason is that he can cut in and, and do that kind of thing and it was a, a stunning goal killed the game off won it for United uh, even though there was the late Jermaine Defoe goal bit of slack defending not first time we've seen that this season is it and yeah if it comes down to one goal difference uh, people in United's back four will be kicking themselves in fact if it comes to five goals difference or ten maybe people in United's back four will be kicking themselves at the end of the season uh, that's, that's for May I suppose but but on Saturday yep yeah, um, fine goal from Young but fine two goals from Young and and somehow United got away with it but I can't tell you how crucial that could be that's Ferguson had some uh, pretty cheap digs at City didn't he before the game and and after in fact saying that was uh, United's hardest away game of the season that's left and uh, of course we have to go to Eastlands at the end of April which uh, which will certainly be a decisive game now I know everyone will want to build it up but it is going to be I mean if you look at the fixtures United have got 
got. We really could win eight games in a row. It's massive bravado, isn't it? But but there's just so winnable the games United are playing. And we go to City and there's that game against Blackburn away that you know I know Blackburn are terrible at the moment, but it's just one of those away games that never quite seems to go right when we need it to. And Everton at home, but there's a whole load of guff basically United have to face now. And of course, I suppose that has actually been United's problem this season. I mean, in the games against the top club City at Old Trafford aside, the Reds have done pretty well. Yeah. Two, well, four victories against Arsenal and Chelsea for a start. Maybe that's been the bigger problem. The smaller clubs, especially at Old Trafford, six games at Old Trafford as opposed to five away. And you, you kind of look at the fixtures and you think, I know United two points behind, but there's an advantage, inbuilt advantage for United there. Just uh, whether we can translate that paper advantage into something real. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a reasonable assessment of the situation, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be how it plays out. I think it would be a minor miracle if we win eight in a row, given how inconsistent we are. Now, having said all that, the times when we've been poor this season have been when Ferguson's either been forced into extreme rotation by injury or has rotated a great deal by choice. And so the fact is that he's probably going to stick with a pretty settled lineup in the Premier League for the rest of the season, I I would imagine. Uh, You know, relatively speaking, we're going to see a lot of Paul Scholes. We're going to see a lot of Michael Carrick. Carrick was such a huge absence from the Bilbao game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll come and talk about that a bit more detail. But yeah, Jones and Ryan Giggs uh, got themselves a new one ripped big time by Herrera and and Javi Martinez there. I mean, two fine players in Herrera and Martinez. Uh, Giggs kept giving away the ball and Jones ran around like a, a headless chicken all night until he got shifted into the back four. The Spurs game, interesting performance from Spurs, you know, pretty good all-round team performance, but really lacking in cutting edge. Uh, Livermore having a pretty good game and they didn't really miss Scott Parker too much, but I think he probably would have still made a pretty big difference to them and, and Gareth Bale would have added goal-scoring threats. So we were we were really fortunate that they were without their probably their two bet best players oh no sorry two best players apart from Modric yeah fortunate there I mean I have to say I'm not, I'm not a Parker sycophant I've, I've never uh, thought he was a, a player of let's say United standard I mean there's a, there's a good argument to say he'd have improved United's squad this season and frankly uh, my gran could have improved United's midfield options well maybe not I mean you know she's pretty mobile in a chair <laughs> mobile and has less replaced hips than Owen Hargreaves that's for sure of course he's not with the club I know before you all email in the point being that I, I I never really thought it was that good I mean he does he really does just run around an awful lot and a lot of it's wasted and, and I think you look at someone like Michael Carrick who's much more conservative with his use of energy it sounds like a euphemism for laziness but it's really not and takes up better positions who would do a much better job in the England side in my honest opinion and can't get anywhere near the squad no it's, it's a comp- England is not even worth talking about but yeah it's a terrible indictment on our society as a whole that Scott Parker is held in higher esteem than Michael Carrick as a footballer but I think whatever his I blame the youth whatever it's not the youth that are the problem and the welfare state it's the old people isn't it you know the old bulldog spirit have a bit of it have a bit of an old run around oh look at him he's jumped in front of the ball he's jumped in front of the ball again and not a hair out of place I tell you when the craze was round here you can leave your door open it was marvellous and the thing is one of them was about to get the England job as well that was indistinguishable from my Harry Redlap impression whatever you 
your thoughts and feelings are on Scott Parker's limitations as a footballer, there's no doubt that it's an advantage to United not to play against him, given our particular frailties in terms of what we're effective against and what we're not so effective against in in the middle of the park. United's counter-attacking football was extremely incisive. There were some really beautiful moves thrown in there from time to time. And, you know, you can say that it was an undeserved win. But as you say about the statistics, we were much better at putting the round thing in the net thing than they were. And so uh, on that basis, you deserve the win, right? Right, well, three goals, six shots and five, sorry, five shots on target, six overall. And uh, as opposed to, to Tottenham's uh, 18 shots and six on target, I mean, you, you can go overboard with the stats and those are some very basic ones there. But yeah, it just tells the story, doesn't it? Uh, that's a 60% conversion rate from United. And actually, factually, United have the best shots to goal conversion rate in the Premier League this season. It's, it's part of the reason why we're hanging on to City's coattails despite not always playing very well. No, absolutely. Someone that... that- is playing very well is David De Gea though yes outstanding outstanding for weeks now ever ever since uh, Anders Lindegaard got injured it's uh, the reverse curse of Lindegaard has done wonders for David De Gea yeah absolutely and I'm sure in the Bilbao game discussion we'll talk more about him okay that was the Spurs game as you say the most the hugest three points I mean in terms of momentum in terms it's just just absolutely immense that we we got those three points and once again Man City watching on TV depressed about the state of things the United monster that just won't stop getting up and carrying on running at you well you you hope so you hope he does put pressure on the 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 crucial thing is United don't drop points in these easy games coming up I mean I've just said that we could win eight in a row we really could but but you know you can just imagine West Brom sticking one in the top corner three minutes ago to win one nil at the weekend and we've just blown that fine win they're in absolutely Absolutely excellent form at the moment, West Brom are, and I, I think it's going to be a really difficult game. And actually, I think it's one of the reasons that Fergie rotated so heavily for the Bilbao game during the week after the Spurs game. Old Paul Pogba rumours started again, and, and I put out the shout for questions. And I have to say, there's a, an unfeasible number of people asking questions about Paul Pogba, and in general, what United are doing about their youth policy, and and why we're not more prepared to chuck money at our young players. I feel like two weeks ago we, we had this discussion in some depth so I guess it doesn't need to happen again in such depth but people are obviously sort of a bit up in arms about the whole Pogba situation. Right well I think you know my opinion on this one I think it's simple market economics I think Pogba has uh, weighed up his opportunities he, he's seemingly out of contract it would appear that Ferguson just simply got that one wrong when he said there was an option to extend and he's weighed up all of his, his opportunities he's got a new agent Mini Raiola last well, so mid last year, and uh, he's worked very hard canvassing Europe, especially his home turf in Italy, and, and got him a very good deal with Juventus. So, so there's that one. Is it definite? Is it is it done? Is it definite? Well, it was in Tuto Sport, and it's you know good links to his Juventus that one, and uh, and so I would say probably yes. It was also followed up in the other Italian papers, and followed by the National, as uh, Middle East paper, Duncan Castles, a British writer, uh, does a lot of stuff for them, and and then all the nationals in the uk so i'm thinking this one stands up is is uh, the long-winded answer a long-winded way of saying yes for that one so it would seem so but i think it is as simple as it's just you know is 
a better deal for him. It's a better deal financially probably than United were offering. It's definitely a better deal for the agent. It's probably he, he probably feels that it can't possibly be a worse deal in terms of opportunities because he's not getting an opportunity. I mean, he's had four substitute appearances this season and totals less than a game's worth of playing time. That's that, And this after Ferguson said in August that if we don't play Pogba, he's simply going to leave because we have to give our young players an opportunity. And that was in response to a question about United not investing in a new midfielder. So you're Pogba, you're sitting there going, I'm out of contract, there are lots of good offers for me, I'm not getting any playing time here, I was told I was going to get some playing time, I'm not getting any. So you can kind of see uh, where that's coming from. Not that I actually put any blame on Ferguson for not playing him, because I don't think the guy's ready. I mean, he's not been very good in the reserves when I've seen him. I, I, I don't watch every single reserve game, but I watch a good number of them, or, or the highlights, and what I can download, and, and all of that. Uh, but people who do go to every reserve game will also say the same thing. They don't think he's been that impressive, and other players have deserved a better chance than him. Having said that, I think he's got more raw talent than most other players in the United sort of reserve and youth setup. And I think the raw ingredients are there, and that's why Ferguson was so enthused about him. That's why the club are pretty mad. David Gill, interesting piece in um, uh, Corriere della Sport this week. Uh, for those of you who like reading the Italian papers uh, about David Gill, actually met Agnelli at one of the UEFA delegations last week, and they had a bit of a tete-a-tete about the Pogba situation. So, again, might be rumours. But basically, it feels like it's done and sealed. It's a great deal for Juventus because their total investment is about €6 million Euros for over the four-year contract and the fee for the agent. That's nothing. You can waste that pretty easily. Uh, that's, you know, €1.5 million Euros amortised. It's not going to affect their budget in any kind of serious manner. He'll probably go out and loan the Italian ways just to punt him out on loan to a smaller club. So he'll probably see him at Empoli or Brescia or, you know, something like that. And uh, and it's a good deal for Pogba if he gets some game time, either at Juventus or a smaller club. He, and he's improved his contract. The only people it's a bad deal for is United. But can we really complain after we snatched him off Le Havre? No, but on the other hand, can we not say there's kind of... I mean, OK, the, the thing is that there are specific reasons for both of these things happening. But last season, two of the most talented young players anyone can really remember came through and were part of an FA Youth Cup winning side and they're both probably going to be gone um, well one of them's yeah. obviously definitely gone and the other one it seems like is, is out the door and you know you say that you can't put any blame on Fergie for not playing Pogba because he hasn't really deserved his chance but then what you can do is really question what he's doing telling the press that he's definitely going to play him if he's not I mean that's a pretty wacky situation and you know I've seen l- loads of United fans you know doing that thing that football fans do when somebody leaves it's like oh what's he doing how could you possibly leave united and it's like well for all the reasons that you just said you know because someone else is going to pay you more and let you play football and and there's people making out like juventus or a parkside it's a 27 Serie A titles two european cups other european tournaments they are massive so calciopoli is has hindered their progress in recent years you know spent some time in Serie b a scandal lost a load of players lost a load of credibility uh, especially on the commercial side they've made the decision to move home so they've moved to the new stadium it's a it's a fairly modest stadium but they'll be allowed to commercialize it in a way they could never uh, do so with the mutually owned stadium 
stadium. So they've gone through a transition period over the last sort of, six, seven years, and they're coming out the back end of that now. And and they're they are a huge club. They are the Manchester United of Italy because they are widely widely supported. So this is not some Parkside who's joined. They're a big club. They they do have some financial might. You know, not not in United's class, but but they were prepared to take a gamble if you want to call it that uh, on a player United weren't. I mean, basically it does come down to that because I think if United stumped up the money, he'd have probably stayed at United. Anyone who's met him says he's a charming fella and club keeps saying he's committed and enjoyed playing with United, but but that wasn't enough, right? So in the end, we did lose him and I do take your point about losing Morrison and Pogba seems a bit careless, doesn't it? I mean, in the end, United booted Morrison out uh, because uh, he he just wasn't going to change or they didn't feel he could change in in the current environment and and they've lost Pogba. Ezekiel Farage is out of contract. Uh, There's no certainty that they'll tie that down. Davide Petrucci, who's really frustrating because he's, he's basically spent two years injured and, and then he's come back and he's been outstanding in many games for, for the reserves. He's got you know, some beautiful skills and he's out of contract. Looks like he wants to go back to Italy. So could end up losing four very talented youngsters and and remember at the beginning of the season and or after the Barcelona uh, final where we talked about how do we build a side if we if we can't build it through spending huge amounts of money in the transfer market we're going to build it through youth and and so to lose four talented players if that's what it's going to be through all sorts of different circumstances it's a it's a pretty big blow and very disappointing I think for those of us who'd like to see United push through talent into the first team and be successful that way so at Oye create asks whether we should just wet this is a I think a big question should we start offering our youth players more money to keep them surely it's cheaper than splashing out 20 million pounds on a new player I mean obviously it's not a direct financial comparison because there is an, a larger element of risk with bringing through a young player about whether they're ever going to make it at the top flight but in general as a principle do we just need to change our attitude to the value we're prepared to place on a contract for young players well, it has a knock-on effect doesn't it so if, if- Pogba's offered 15, 20 grand a week. I mean, it's, it looks like it's a million euros a year, which works out about 16,000 a week. So it's, he, he's offered that. Then there's, there might be three or four other players' agents who'd be knocking on the door saying, hey, our, our lad's just as talented and, and performing better in the reserves. He wants this too. And so, so just as Rooney's had a knock-on effect at all levels of the first team, and we can see that where, where say, Chris Smalling, who'd been with the club a year, went from 10 or 12 grand a week to 50. And, uh, you know, that's a reflection of the market also of what Rooney's done to their wage structure. So it's a big problem. There's some good analysis from Anders Red, as always, on United's last financial results. And he pointed out that there's been a, a very a 0.98 correlation between media income and wage increases. So income, media income increases is very, very closely tied to increases in United's wage budget. And that's 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 deviated in the last two quarters. And we talked about 12% rise and 17% rise quarter on quarter in wages and so you decouple that you've got a bit of a problem really because your costs are rising faster than your income and and then to push through wage rises at all levels of the club is going to have a really destabilizing effect on united's finances so i can kind of understand and there was the, the basically there was the word from the glazer family during the summer to start getting rid of the dead wood which united did eventually lots of players left fringe players left and eventually cusack and kibo have gone too and 
and so you can't then suddenly replace those large wages with large wages for youngsters and not feel the effect of it and so that's basically what's happening here you know, making the calculation but it does cause a problem because if you squeeze at the top of the market can't afford say Wesley Schneider priced out of that by wages you can't afford to compete at the bottom of the market which I've talked about heating up it really is heating up because of the overinflated transfer market at the top end uh, everyone's searching out ever younger players and, and then there's a bit of a problem Ferguson's squad gets pinched on both directions there. yeah and it comes down to the problem of market forces which is that it's all very well to say well we, we can't afford the squad wage inflation that would arise from paying our young players more but equally we can't afford for all of our talented young players to get close to the first team and then decide meh you know what I, I can make twice as much money by going to Italy or Spain or whatever Right, yep, yep. And so it's all, in the end, it's all about competitiveness. Yeah, right, absolutely. And talking of young players and competitiveness, an excellent FA Youth Cup tie that we didn't talk about on last week's podcast because it hadn't happened by the time we recorded it from your hotel room in Barcelona. I was not in the same hotel room in Barcelona. <laughs> oh, it was it was romantic. You know it was, Paul. <laughs> an absolutely terrific tie. Just ridiculous, ridiculously. It took end-to-end to a whole nother level because every time United scored uh, within, you know, less than two minutes Charlton had equalised to make it two all finally United nicked it in the end and and that FA Youth Cup side despite this being very much a transitional season from what I hear and what I've seen they're they're doing really well to keep grinding out the results and they've got bags and bags of technical ability it is brilliant to watch a new generation coming through in a completely different style to the generations before them i have to say i, I really do enjoy watching this this academy side because they are as you say are very technical they've got some lovely ball players on the ball uh, players who are comfortable in multiple positions and you can't kind of see that in the way united play it's remarkably similar to last season in many ways this is clearly a much younger side but last season the the team didn't really start brilliantly and this season they haven't either really not just in the cup but in the, the academy league and actually last season's academy side didn't didn't do that well in the league really you know, even though they won the, the cup and and it's kind of been similar this year they lost quite a lot of games before christmas and they seem to be really coming good now obviously yeah, won you know last academy fixture as well as the as well as the youth cup the the week before and so now they've got for the second year running chelsea in the semi-finals in, uh, you know, very very big powerful chelsea side last season I have to say i haven't seen anything of them this season but it, it, it promises to be a good time yeah absolutely and and it's a phenomenal achievement to get to the semi-final stage I think I think you've got to be more forgiving obviously with young players than you would necessarily with the senior squad in terms of expectations and and yeah I'd, I'd say this is maybe even above par to get to to get to the semi-final given the age profile of that team and I everything. think so I mean most of this most of this academy side will be around next year as well uh, there's, there's there's quite a few 16 year olds in first year graduates and, and a few you know a few second years as well so, so this is a work in progress and, and it's nice to see so many talented guys so it'd be great for them to hang around for another couple of years and then bugger off to the first team that offers them a, a proper wage we've had a question it's uh, International Women's Day as we record this uh, episode of the Rankcast whether we'll ev- ever see a female manager of MUFC in our lifetime and if you could pick a woman leader from history or today to see- succeed Sir Alex Ferguson at MUFC who would it be and why and the reason that I bring this up is I had a phone call off my dad this week and he said, you know how you've got a Monday United podcast? And I was like, yes, Dad. And he said, do you remember this little TV show called The Manageress? Do you, do you remember that, Ed? 
I, I certainly do remember the Mandarin. I was a, an avid watcher, obsessed even with the Mandarin. Not just because it had very nice Sherry Lungi and I had visions of Mrs. Robinson there. Apparently, Sir Alex was also a fan. Whether he was enamoured with uh, Sherry Lungi or not, I don't know, but I suspect he may have been. But th- there is a rumour that he showed it to the team on the team bus, which I, I like to think is true. Uh, anyway, my dad asked me to plug it and say, everyone go to Amazon and buy the Mandarin on DVD. Or just go to Pirate and download no, it. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an, it was a really excellent series, uh, and no, I don't think we'll we'll see a, a female in charge. It won't happen. There's no level of grassroots female coaching in the men's game, and really not in administration either. So no, that won't happen. Of course, we do have a couple of female players in in Nicholas Bentner, who basically looks like a 45 year old Danish lesbian. <laughs> I don't think that counts. It, it's an interesting thing because the manageress was you know getting on for 20 years ago. And and nothing's really changed in terms of gender politics and football. There's legitimately no reason whatsoever why a woman shouldn't manage at the top flight. You know, it's just a question of getting experience and coming up through the ranks. But much like homophobia in football, sexism in football is is just absolutely off the charts. Well, well, it is. And it was hi- highlighted by the whole Keys Grey affair, wasn't it? Just um, in terms of, you know, general attitudes. Uh, and of course, the line woman who was abused by uh, a couple of Sky commentators he, and she, she worked uh, uh, the Wolves game and a few other Premier League games so you know there's there's been some there's been some penetration into the sport and female officialdom but not in the coaching sense I, I just don't I don't see it happening I mean there's enough resentment of of uh, coaches who didn't play I mean look at the disdain with which Andre Villas-Boas is held and and even sometimes people like Mourinho and, and Wenger who've been outstandingly successful but didn't play the game the whole row that Mourinho supposedly had with Sergio Ramos uh, centred around the fact that he didn't play the game if that's a barrier someone coming from the women's game which is basically amateur in England and uh, really only professional in the States and there's crisis around professional football in the States where there's basically two leagues and a dispute over who actually owns the league you know I've watched some women's football when there are World Cups and European Championships I have to say never thought it was a very good standard but but there's a leap from that to being a manager and not yeah, going to happen like playing and managing a completely different disciplines obviously and just because women's football isn't close to the standards in terms of professionalism there's just no good reason it's just that there are many 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 terrible reasons which are deeply and firmly entrenched I think and as for as for the second part of question what woman from history would you most like to see managing Manchester United apart from Sherry Lungy you know how many people perceive Ferguson as like a terrible human being who sacrifices is a load of morals to do things which he believes to be effective. Does it remind you of any like recent female prime ministers we might have had in England? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not having that. I, no, no, it's, it's too a, it's too obvious, and b, I'm no, not. Also, that. there is absolutely no way that you could argue that Mrs. Thatcher was the outcomes of Mrs. Thatcher's leadership was successful, unlike Fergie's. So, so no, 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 she's she's uh, she's very much in the Glazenomics camp. I'd say, maybe, maybe you know, maybe it should be a warrior type, you know, a Buddhistia. I'll get it. Up it's a terrible idea because then she'd just buy Scott Parker and make him captain. That's, you know, it's the English spirit. We could have, you know, the more cerebral... She, uh, Welsh, wasn't she? If I remember my history correctly. <laughs> All right, well, she'll buy Gareth Bale and make him captain then. Uh, yeah. Bodicea was Welsh. God, you just mind blown. I had no idea. I always pictured her as a southerner for some reason. You know, you could have the, the 
continental influence of Jeanne d'Arc. United have had a lot of injury problems this season, so famous women from history. Maybe maybe a Florence Nightingale could come and, and do some physio, at least, if, if not run the side. She could put her magic sponge on my injured leg anytime. It's International Women's Day and you just can't stop, right, Ed? You, you are the keys and grey of podcasting. I am to please. We can't put out a call for Twitter questions without questions about Phil Jones's best position, so I would just say, please, please refer to every conversation we've ever had about it. But one, one brilliant Phil Jones piece this week that went around, 20 pictures of Phil Jones's faces, and then followed smartly by people doing the Phil Jones and pulling some ridiculous facial expression. I, I think it's brilliant. I think you should all send that round again. I, I, I like a Twitter trend, and that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We've had a question here, which I'm, I'm only going to ask to see if you know what it means, because I, I knew what it meant, but I'm not 100% sure you will. Uh, this is from at Redmancunia. Charmander, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle? No idea whatsoever. See, I knew it. I knew it. I'm, I'm like a year and a half younger than you, but also I think I probably spent more of my early 20s watching cartoons than you did yeah you see that's i was reading up on british history <laughs> and, and there you are wasting rotting your brain away on cartoons so you couldn't even name what what cartoon charmander bulbasaur or squirtle come from right i've absolutely no idea i know what they are roughly but i have no basis to make a decision on which one of them's the best uh, they're, they're they're pokemon and just saying so wow know. no I, I just about got away with a bit of dog tanyan. Oh, classic. Which female hands. figure from history should manage Man United? That baddie cat off Dog Tanyon. Okay, uh, the big question of the week comes from at No Heroes here. Starburst or Frutella? Talking of too young, uh, just, just for the benefit of you, Ed, he means Opal Fruits or Frutella. Yeah, I, I'm st- I'm still a marathon man. So I, I, I don't agree with renaming sweets or chocolate. Fact. I, in fact, when it happens, I don't I don't eat them again in protest. So does that mean that you... Because, listen, out of the... I'm the kind of guy who goes round the sweet shop writing marathon on all the Snickers bars. I'm with that guy up at St. James's Park who sprayed it all over uh, Sports Direct at St. James's Park Stadium. There's been talk tonight that they've taken... Fans have taken down the Sports Direct signs and basically vandalising the stadium. So I think I'm probably four on balance yeah there's some irony in this and we're going off on wild tangents here but mike ashley has just converted all of newcastle united's debt into uh, equity so he's just written off 140 million pounds he, he doesn't get enough credit for the actual very sound financially job he did at st james's park now renaming the stadium was crass and an awful piece of pr and and in in a lot of the time in during his reign he's actually not done very good pr and that's been a, a major problem but what he's done is he's not overspent like every other owner of newcastle united he's got the wages under control got a sensible manager and they have a policy that they're going to break even and he's written off all their debt and they're now in a sound financial shape and and in this kind of management they'll be in a strong position but uh, i don't suppose he'll actually get any credit for it because he's a, a boorish crass owner who doesn't relate to the fans in any way that's all very well ed but opal fruits or frutella opal fruits you see i knew you'd have a good answer for this the, the thing that our listeners may not know about ed is he might not know anything about Pokemon, but the man knows sweeties. I do. I am a sweet aficionado from any part of the globe. Fact. Um, the, the answer, the clear right answer to the question, Opal Fruits or Frutella, is obviously Opal Fruits. They're made to make your mouth water. At Maz underscore man underscore United says, I miss the G-bomb. What about 
G-Bomb. And given Ji-Sung Park's performances on the pitch recently, I think it's reasonable that we pass the moniker across from Darren to uh, to G. Uh, the G-Bomb Mark II. I'm not sure about that. I, I think we should retire the G-Bomb out of deference <laughs> to Agent Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in passing the moniker on. And and there's nothing explosive about Park Ji-sung. I mean, his, his performance against Bill Bao, which we still haven't talked about, by the way, was a case in point where he fell over at almost every opportunity he was given. Yeah, so we just played Bill Bao. The general consensus is that United were absolutely terrible and lucky to get away with 3-2. That, that's my consensus. I know you have a slightly different one. I, I thought that Bill Bao were excellent. David De Gea was incredible. I mean, what a performance. And like, it kind of got away from him very slightly by the end of the game. But for the first sort of 70 minutes, every time he made a brilliant save, he also berated the defenders in front of him for not for making him have to make the save. I think he'd given up by then. Yeah, there was a lot of confidence and sort of bluster and a bit of Schmeichel-esque but, uh, control. I, I thought that we looked a real threat on the counter-attack and if Fernandez had a first touch, we'd have, you know, been even more of a threat. He, he, he had a really, really, really poor game, except for a vital contribution to the first goal. United opened the scoring against the run of play, but we'd already had a couple of promising-looking counter-attacks. And whilst Bilbao had a huge amount of the ball, I thought we were kind of marshalling our defensive line pretty well. But we just rode our luck for too long, let them have too much possession, let them create too much in dangerous positions. And, and Rooney had a very odd game where basically about half of the things he tried went horribly wrong. Yep. I, I, I thought a lot of players were well below par. Yeah, a lot, a lot of very loose passing, quite poor shape at the back by the end of it. Some smart attacking play. Yes, plenty of attacking players in there. Shape was all wrong in midfield, though. And, and I just thought generally it was it, Ferguson didn't live up to what he'd build this as a strong on the United side on paper it was but there's too many changes again five changes I, I just don't see how you can have any kind of continuity of performance if you change that many players constantly and it keeps happening in this is the ninth game in a row in Europe that United have been below par we were having a Twitter conversation this week and you were rather more positive than I was about it and I just I, I didn't see any scenario in which United were going to perform well A Bilbao are a good side I mean they're 8 or 9 points behind Valencia and so they're better than that so yeah they are a very good side uh, they're known for being very attacking. They're known in Spain for being a bit direct. They're really not direct. They're actually, you know, gay. they move from back to front very quickly but they're not lumping it forward to the big man up front they've got some really really good players and they've done very well to keep hold of those good players uh, you know Martinez load of class in the centre and midfield Herrera moving the ball really smartly uh, Lorente obviously the pivot uh, Munain he's, he's going to be a really good player he's already in the Spain side so this is a very good te- team they kept possession really well 55% possession at Old Trafford when's the last time that happened at 36 shots at goal for 14 of them on target and that's where you know David De Gea's man of the match comes in because he was outstanding and he had to be I mean you say I was more positive than you were I went for a scrappy 2-1 uh, and you went for a draw so I wasn't exactly expecting United to be good I just thought we might get away with it um, as we've done a few times I think I closed my match preview off by saying this was the best side United have faced in Europe this season I, I think that's right I think there's a lot of strength in depth in Spain at the moment it's, it's masked a little bit by the points gap there is between Real Madrid, Barcelona and the rest but uh, there's a lot of quality there and United just basically in European terms aren't that good at the moment I think it's almost impossible to accurately assess how good Manchester United are uh, in European terms because Fergie has 
basically not put the first team out once this is true. This in is European true. competition since the final of the Champions League last season. I think if Vidic had stayed fit, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of ifs and buts and, and, and our first 11 is still perfectly capable of being competitive at a high level in Europe, but we don't have the depth of squad. And I think we've got a rock, paper, scissors thing going on with teams that play the kind of football that Barcelona do and Bilbao did. I mean, it was like playing a slightly not as good version of Barcelona because all the, that interchange and then by the time you get to 70 minutes, United look absolutely shattered from chasing shadows for so much of the game. Yeah, well, look, the balance wasn't right in the centre of midfield and it had Phil Jones running around like a like the headless chicken that he does when he plays in there and he's just not experienced enough to play that role at the moment and, and, and Rangi giving the ball away a lot. The first touch was horrendous and, and then when he went into Hernandez, he was just embarrassing and it's a real shame because you know, he's a good player but someone needs to just stick him in a room and start hitting balls at him and let him control it. His first touch can be absolutely horrendous and Rooney was off, he was shanking the ball all over the place, he was playing poorly out the back uh, Ashley Young was probably one of the better United players and he wasn't even that good so Park Ji Sung you, you just know what's going to happen his first touch he knocks him five yards away from himself his se- second touch he falls over when he when the challenge comes in it, he's been doing it for six years now it's 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 hard to find a positive thing to, to think about in this game I don't know I'm, I'm not quite so sold on that view I, I think that actually Giggs did a lot of things pretty pretty well in the first half as well there were a few opportunities in half chances and stuff which were heavily influenced by Giggs's passing which I, th- I think you're not giving him enough credit maybe I've not seen the stats so maybe his pass completion was terrible but it looked to me like he, he made a few crucial really excellent passes um, yeah no I, I don't disagree with that he did uh, he did but he also gave the ball away and right. and, uh, and that was part of United's problem I thought I mean we weren't keeping the ball when we got it and and Bill Bauer Carrick came on made a huge difference uh, it was a really interesting experience actually watching Carrick come on it was like oh brilliant here's Michael Carrick not something we'd have been saying uh, 12 months ago by any stretch of the imagination he just looked like oh right I'm here I'm, don't worry everyone you know Carrick's here it's all going to improve slightly not not quite the same effect when Anderson came on I have to say Graham Taylor was asked by the awful awful Dave Woods on 5 Live I mean just please make it stop I mean I know Channel 5 is kind of a joke channel obviously but their football coverage is fairly high profile and you'd think they could find a marginally interesting and engaging commentator somewhere in the world but anyway he, he asked what will Anderson add to United and Graham Taylor went uh <laughs> you know it's like well it's a perfectly reasonable reaction he said something about his left foot um, I'm, I'm not sure that was particularly appropriate at the time what at Big Red M said on Twitter he'll add Wayne looking thinner which is obviously harsh given Wayne Rooney's excellently svelte physique harsh yeah although I mean Anderson does have a big decision to make at the end of the season doesn't he I mean it's not been a great campaign yet does he go for Burger King McDonald's Wimpy or KFC in the summertime off you see see this is why we call Ed old school because he chucked Wimpy in there that's but you must have noticed that there aren't any Wimpy bars and haven't been for two decades yeah I don't know I, I found it hard to get worked up about that fixture Fergie obviously did not care that much about it basically he obviously doesn't care that much about the Europa League because it's not like Baal or Benfica maybe less so Benfica but it's particularly not like Baal or Ajax where he thought he was putting out a team that was good enough to do the job because he would have known that Bilbao were a really serious opposition yeah and and he sacrificed that in, in many ways yeah he, he he must have known given the performances this year, eight performances of disjointed subpar uh, not Manchester United-esque performances so far I mean even the I'm not, I'm not having that United played well in Amsterdam they didn't 
got away with that one and, and yeah he must have known that more of the same was coming he talked about before the game that you know he had to wake up well not sure that he smelled the coffee there did he so um or maybe he was just kind of happy that that's what happened and and of course the premier league's priority of course it is but momentum's important too and and he's selling this to united fans as being something united care about it's fine making all the noises it, 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 i'd kind of almost i mean i know he can't do it but i'd almost just prefer he said yeah look we we're going to have a bit of an experiment here. We're going to play a few players who need some minutes and maybe throw on some kids, you know. But but he's not doing that. And he's just using the players that need some minutes and, and making a lot of changes. And, and as a result, we're, we're just not getting some very good performances. It's not United. And for a club that has a pretty proud history in Europe, it's, it's not very edifying at the moment. It's not. But on the other hand, you say momentum's important. And I agree. In theory, momentum is huge. And cup runs have made huge differences to our league successes in the past but on the other hand our league form is not exactly suffering from how disastrous our knockout competition form's been all season and given how we just don't have the depth in terms of quality that we've had in the past and we, you know essentially we really need our midfield to be skulls and carrick at the moment and that's that's a very weird thing to say otherwise we're, we're in real trouble when it's not those two playing together in terms of fluency we there are only fluent midfielders maybe i guess if tom cleverly was fit for a while we could add him into that mix too but given that he just has not got the luxury of risking all those players putting all those minutes in their legs in a competition which has to be of secondary priority because although it's a European com- competition it's obviously the uh, not the real European competition in terms of prestige and there is the chance that we'll win the 20th league title and Fergie must know that it's just not going to get any easier to win the league I mean unless City do what Chelsea have done and we haven't talked about this at all but Villas Boas has been sacked since we last recorded a podcast and it's just further proof of the shambles that Chelsea have become. I mean, if you're going to sack Carlo Ancelotti, then really you're never going to succeed in football. You know, it's, it's... no, I know. I mean, Abramovich is the, the Vladimir Putin of football world. He, he believes totally in his own way of doing things, and he has centralised command and control, and he can't help himself. He meddles in team matters, fires managers consistently before their time, has allowed the dressing room ego level to build up to such an extent that Frank Lampard is now running the side apparently uh, and it's, it's uh, utter craziness it's utter craziness and they, they have a much more sensible structure at City unfortunately much as we'd like their comedy of, of them blowing it and uh, and trying to run the team from Abu Dhabi they actually don't do that and they, they have a sensible corporate governance structure there and they are set up for more success doesn't mean they're going to have it this season on the pitch of course I mean they, uh, Chelsea maybe they get a bump and they'll do something against City in a couple of weeks time and and then of course the Arsenal game to come and that's at the Emirates that's going to be a massive one for City that's definitely an opportunity for, for Arsenal to put one over them of course they'll retrench into being normal Arsenal and blow it in the last minute crank caller interference on the line just like to distance myself from any comments that Edward made about Vladimir Putin who I'm sure is a very fair and admirable leader and not at all a scary man who scours the internet listening for people criticising him on podcasts and then delivers crazy poison to their house yeah have you ever come across some strange looking man wandering around your house with an umbrella with a little bit of a pointy end avoid 
Yeah, who on earth in their right mind wanting to have a proper career would take the Chelsea job? I mean, I guess, you know, old managers... Nine million pound payout, that that helps. Go to the bank of Chelsea and you walk away a very rich man. But that's it, you literally are going there for the money because you know you're not going to be able to build anything. Because, yeah, it's just, it's just a joke and they are a complete joke and it is a shame that City are not going to follow that same uh, path because you would imagine that it's going to get harder and harder for Fergie to win the league and he's really 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 going to want to win this league I mean it means infinitely more than the Europa League I know it's horrible to watch United be kind of a laughing stock in Europe but it's all going to be massively worth it if we we win the league of course it's going to be an even more bitter pill to swallow if uh, we somehow don't yes well it will be a disaster of a season uh, if we don't because we'll have gone out if if City win this league we'll be second we'll be second to City we'll have been out of Europe early out of the FA Cup early out of the Carling Cup pretty early and and looks like dumped out of Europe Division 2 as well so um, you couldn't put a sweetener on it at all so we're not going to believe that's going to happen at all we're going to believe that somehow United can keep cranking out results even if the side isn't playing that well like at Tottenham and that somewhere along the line someone's going to turn City over and, and reduce that two point advantage so, and it could that. be us and, and, and it should happen at the weekend it should happen at the weekend that United crank out another three points home home match with West Brom God, it's just got drawing all over it to me that game but you've got to win these games got to win them and I mean not, not a lot of turnaround time obviously it's you know sort of what, I think it's like two o'clock kickoff on Sunday isn't it so uh, they'll you know warm down on Friday they'll be training on Saturday for the Sunday games it's, it does tend to compress these, these uh, Europa League fixtures that feel like it compresses the preparation time but that's this, this time of the season just going to have to do it and West, you're right West Brom playing well beat Chelsea last week obviously doing very well under Roy Hodgson who's proven himself once again to, to be able to build a side that's greater than the sum of its parts and, and it'll be a real tough test and, and they've done okay at Old Trafford before haven't they They're just hopefully not this time well I mean it's greater than the sum of its parts sure but there's also some really excellent parts in there Odin Wingy player of the month for February uh, hit some really fine form Morrison looks just like brilliant every time I see him you know I mean not not brilliant brilliant but brilliant for a mid-table Premier League side um, and he's in really sparkling form at the moment so they, they've they've you know, they, you know they beat Chelsea last weekend that they beat Wolves 5-1 which if you know anything about West Bromwich Albion and Wolves is like it's like City beating us 6-1 you know it's an, an enormous enormous thing to happen and and they've just got bags of momentum and then they are not going to come afraid this weekend that Roy Hodgson will tell his players that Manchester United are vulnerable because he's a smart manager I would imagine that we'll play with Skulls and Carrick in the centre of midfield and I suspect they're going to face a much sterner test than they 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 have been faced against some of the bigger sides I just think it's going to be a really difficult game and yes obviously on paper United are better than West Bromwich Albion but given everything else that's going on I think a win a win in this game is just it's just enormous as you say it's an it's a must win game as they all are from here on everyone's out. a cup final yeah, absolutely sorry, sorry another cliche in there but no it really is um, it's, uh, it's right you've got to win them all it doesn't it doesn't really matter now I don't care if if Scalzi picks it up and throws it in the net United just need victories now and that's it yeah quick shout out ladies and gentlemen there who've paying attention to these things Ed just said gotta win them all even though he has 
has no frame of reference for Pokemon. So there you go. We then play the return fixture against Bilbao. I think, I think it's not Pokemon these days that the kids are into. It's Moshi Moshi cards. Yeah, you see, you, you've skipped a generation. That's what's going on. You know what the little kids are into, but our cool, hip, 20-something listeners are all like all about the Pokemons. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Do we have any cool 20-something listeners? Maybe we might do. The return leg against Bilbao. I mean, I guess you're predicting that United are not going to overcome their uh, three away goals, one goal deficit. No, I, I mean, you can't see it. I mean, even if uh, Ferguson flipped this around and decided to play the full side out in uh, Atleti, they're, they're very good at San Mamers. Uh, it's a nice stadium uh, in terms of its atmosphere. If you've ever watched any La Liga on Sky, they um, they have a, a very good atmosphere there. I mean, a fantastic support. Old Trafford on Thursday. Uh, it'll be a really tough game for United. Yeah, in fact, it's just going to be really hard whether we had our first 11 out. Can't imagine... Ferguson actually putting the first 11 out because there's the away trip to Wolves the week afterwards so uh, I think it'll probably be a bit of a scratch side and, and if United United's waveform is is, is alright isn't it pretty good this season it's best in the Premier League by some distance so. and, and even Europe really only the, the Basel game that was a disaster so uh, maybe we'll go there and get a draw I, I can't see us turning it around I mean though I think United will be in there, end up out of the Europa League and, and in a way we'll go okay well that's alright because that, that also means with, with uh, uh, no Thursday fixtures, more, much more preparation time. You see, I'm becoming a revisionist here already. You know, it's a week before we're actually knocked out. But if that's what it is, then and of course, you know, Skulls you can play once a week, and so can Gigs, and and that's not terrible for United. I, I do think the loss of momentum could be a problem. I just hope it isn't. And of course, there's the small matter that it makes our lives an awful lot easier if we get knocked out of the Europa League. So you know, <laughs> there you go. So predictions? I can't bring myself to do it. I was just about to predict a draw. I. I suppose since I actually think it's going to be a draw, I'm going to predict a kind of somewhat heartbreaking, damp squib of a 1-1 draw. Sorry, everyone. And then uh, Bilbao, uh, I think, will beat them 2-1 and not be good enough to get through. Bold, bold. I, I think we're going to beat West Brom. I think they play a ni- nice open game, which is which is actually suit, suits us uh, when teams come to Old Trafford. So they open up a bit. Uh, I think that's fine. And, and so I think we'll beat them 3-1. And I, I think we'll go to Bilbao and draw. And, and that'll, be, that'll be it. We'll be out one each. And before we end the show, obviously there's the usual, feel free to get in touch with us in between the show. It's awesome that people listen and want to talk to us. That's that's really much appreciated. Cast at unitedrant.co.uk, at unitedrant for Ed, at utdrantcast for me on the Twitter, uh, like United Rant on Facebook, or post a comment on the United Rant page at unitedrant.co.uk. Reviews on iTunes, always awesome. But I think also it's worth pointing out something that we didn't mention, and that is that Chris Smalling is a baller did you see what he was rocking in that game he pulled a pure coolio move and he went with the dark black bandage instead of the more traditional white to protect his bleeding head so i think in his honor this is how we gonna play out yo 